Part one of this live post-game recap is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We're doing this live. We're going to own these takes as best as we can. Penn State loses to Ohio State 20-12. to 12. This is going to be a, a chance to hear your thoughts, share my thoughts. No, we're not firing James Franklin. No, we're not firing Mike Yersich. But there are a lot of things to be critical about in this one as Penn State does lose to Ohio State. And the gap was never actually closed between the two teams. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That is right. You are locked on Nittany Lions live. Thanks for making thanks for making us your first listen and watch this post game show every single day. We really appreciate uh, the support, the feedback. We're looking for your comments. the The comments are open. I, I know that people are angry because this was framed as the opportunity for James Franklin and Penn State to take that step forward. Well, the defense certainly gave them the opportunity. They played lights out, and honestly. I wouldn't even give them responsibility for all 20 of those Ohio State points. Maddie Fresh, Matt Freiler joins me on this post-game show. Again, looking for your comments uh, in this one. Matt will be joining me for the first half of the show. We'll do a second half this just as a kind of look ahead and any lingering thoughts we might have about Penn State, Ohio State. And honestly, there's so much we could discuss, Matt, uh, in the hour itself about what went wrong with Ohio State. I mean, I have some topics that, you know, the, the good, not elite, right? That's that we got to break that out again, right? Go up into the attic and get those skeletons out because they're still there. They're still here. There's really no excuses anymore uh, at this point, but wide receivers were bad. I don't put this on drew Aller. The play calling was bad. Offensive line broke down. I, I see it seeing Olu fashion who get pushed back in the pocket like that against JT Tui Maloa. Those were just some first things that popped off the page and, and we can dissect those fully and thoroughly. Matt, you're opening just your opening takeaways of what you what if forever 10 and two, is that, is that where we're at right now at this point, 10, 10 and two, we're never going to be any better. And probably it, Penn state with the addition of the PAC 12 teams, you might not ever get better than 10 and two, 10 and two is a best case scenario moving forward. Yeah. First off, thanks for having me on Zach. Um, yeah. I was texting you beforehand saying, you know, I, I don't know how much of a silver lining I can really give you on this one. And I think that's probably how we all feel, but I I think I'll start with this. Um, There's, there's two schools of thought here that I've gone back and forth with this afternoon. One is kind of an optimistic side where you can't possibly get any worse offensively than you did today. Oh, for 15 on third down. And the season is still in front of you with an opportunity to play a probably number two Michigan at home. So that's, that's a thought I'm having. The other school of thought is kind of the more logical one, which is what we learned about this team today. And that is that mm-hmm. the Penn state offense is not what we thought it was. No. We had a lot of preseason hype. We had a ton of build up to this game. None of it meant anything. It hurts the most when you realize this team played better against Ohio State last year, and we thought the offense upgraded. And I'm not sure that's the case. Um, 
I think this offense has taken a step back. And yep. that is mind-boggling to me. In, in simple and short, that is the case. Because where do you even begin at this point? There, there are a lot of things to take away from this. Mike Yersich has called good games. But it's easy to do that when you play UMass, Delaware, Iowa, when you have the virtue of Iowa's offense just being inept. Okay, you can sell out and, and stop the Hawkeyes, play the field position battle and win. And that's what Penn State did. A lot of chess, at least trying to play chess. There were a lot of pawns on the table in this in this chess match here. But they tried to play. They tried to win the position battle. They tried to use the clock to their advantage in ways. I thought the game was managed as well as it could under the circumstances. And for the past, how many, and that and that streak of 30-point game was broken. Okay, but I know that doesn't matter in the scheme of things. If Penn State wins this game, that 30-point streak doesn't even matter. My point is, the play calling, Drew Aller looked uncomfortable. Throws were, he, he had the happy feet, shuffling his feet. Throws were, throws were sailing. But the wide receivers could not get open to save their lives. And at what point do you really, the coaches are always going to take the blame first. I know that if you were to ask Mike Yersuch, James Franklin will say, you know, we didn't do enough to put our players in position to win. But Keandre Lambert-Smith, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, even I don't know if he's hundred a hundred percent, but he played the whole game. And Harrison Wallace was supposed to Trey Wallace was supposed to be that difference. This is the reason the passing game looks the way it does. We look good against West Virginia, and he was out there. He was out there against Ohio State, and it looked like garbage. So Penn State was able to do more in the first half. It's like all oh, the ground game was getting it going. Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen. It helps when Ohio State at first dropped a couple guys back. And they had to respect the passing game, at least early on, just because of the idea of it. It was simply out of not necessarily fear, but just uh, an idea. Because Drew Aller has the arm, has the talent, but you have to be able to execute. And Ohio State quickly realized, well, they're not executing. So now we can stick seven guys in the box. Now we can stick eight guys in the box. Now we can go cover one. We can go cover zero, sell out for the run, because we only need three to four defensive backs to stop this abysmal passing game. So Mike Yersich was handicapped. I think it starts with the wide receivers. Mike Yersich was handicapped from the fact that nobody was getting open and Ohio State could sell you. That's why I said if Penn State was going to win this game, because I thought they would get the ground game going. I thought that they would win the turnover battle. Well, they didn't force any turnovers out of that scoop and score that was taken away. And honestly, I got some thoughts about that, so I know we'll discuss it, but do you blame Yersich first? Do you blame the wide receivers? James Franklin, where does this all begin? I start with the wide receivers personally. There was not enough talent. And even without Den, uh, is it Denzel Burke, his name slipped my mind for a moment. Denzel Burke, best cornerback, probably could go in the first round of next year's NFL draft. He was not out there, and Penn State still was blanketed by those Ohio State defensive backs. Yeah, there will be a lot of finger pointing, and there should be. Uh, to me, this is an organizational failure by the offense. Um, you're right. Nobody has developed that wide receiver to replace Parker Washington. I think when we look back at the program, yeah. especially last year, and I sent this tweet out after the game, we did not appreciate Parker Washington enough. He had 11 or catches Mitchell, for or Mitchell Tinsley. Yeah, yeah, Tinsley's another one. We, he had 11 catches for 179 yards against Ohio State in two scores. And Sean Clifford is another one. He had 380 yards passing last year, threw the three picks, had the fumble. Honestly, call me crazy. I would rather my quarterback throw for three interceptions and fumble the ball once than for what I saw offensively today if it meant we were going to put up points and at least have a chance at the end of the game. 
yeah, I, I think that Ohio State schemed against Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. They learned their tendencies. They completely took them out of the game. We lost the battle in the line of scrimmage. The third down thing is unfathomable. The play calling was awful. Receivers not getting open, like you said. J just a pure failure in every way. Seems like they didn't have a plan for, for what to do when things went wrong. There was no T formation in the short yardage, which drove me well, insane. I, I, have an, I have an answer for that because I was going to lead off the show with that. You know, the, the architect of the T formation song and there was no T formation today, so your blood must have been boiling. But it sounds like Andrew Raplia was not available and Khalil Dinkins has been injured as well. So you can't run the T formation. That shows how far behind Jerry Cross is. Because you're supposed to have the capable tight ends. Jerry Cross was a former four-star. Andrew Rapplia has come on strong, and I really think he'll have a better second half of the season. He'll be even better in the following year. But we're talking about the present. The present matters. And we're going to – I see your comments rolling in, folks. I will – we will get to them. But that is why the T-formation – you can't run it with just Theo Johnson. Yeah. And, you, and that's why the short yardage didn't, didn't work. But, again, a coach has to be able to make those adjustments. I said in when just kind of understanding the end of the first half, putting out my thoughts on on X Twitter, saying that I don't feel good about this because if history has indicated anything, Penn State is not good under James Franklin making second half adjustments in this game. And here we are. They just didn't do enough. Even if they made the right second half adjustments, they didn't make enough. Yeah. And part of me believed towards the end of that game as Ohio State was not able to put us away. They were unable to put us away. They had a chance on third down to go up 17 to six. They settled for a field goal. It's a 13 to six ball game. Mm -hmm. And at that point you're thinking, okay, th the 0 for 15 on third down won't matter if you can just put together one scoring drive. Nobody will care anymore. Just tie the game, send it to overtime. And then they don't get in the end zone until 30 seconds left in the game. And by then it's far too late. But yeah, there was part of me, Zach, that was thinking, okay, the roles have reversed. For years, we've trailed and sorry, we've led in this game. And I'm looking up at nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it's what 10 to six or 13 to six at that point. I'm thinking, okay, would I rather Penn State not be the one hearing the footsteps and be the one coming from behind and being able to attack? And I convinced myself that, yeah, I'd probably rather be in a position to come back than I would be up by 20 because of the collect. And that's insane to think about that. And to think that we we had a chance to – Ohio State could not put this team away. And, and that speaks to the defense. Manny Diaz will not be on this staff next year. He will 1,000% be a head coach somewhere. This was a master but class. Is, is there a job for him, though? He's getting paid very well. I could see him getting a raise at Penn State. And, but I'm thinking about this. Everyone says Manny Diaz is as good as gone, and he deserves to be because he has coached his way back into a head coach program leadership spot. But at the same time, are you looking to go back to the ACC? Because your bar was Miami of Florida, right? So you that means you got it. You took a step back so that you could take a leap forward. And unless you're getting something that's the caliber of Miami of Florida, if not greater, I don't see how he leaves Happy Valley. So let's let's read the writing on the wall that this isn't the end of Manny Diaz, that he's coached his way out of Penn State, a job that is suitable for him has to open up. He's not taking a Virginia Tech like a job like Brent Fry would. That's just the fact of the matter. So Penn State fans can at least rest easy for the moment in that regard. 
Let's take a break in this post-game recap and hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to post a free job to LinkedIn Jobs. Then all you got to do is add your job in the purple hiring frame to let people know that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to find candidates with just the right skills, just the right experience, so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one at delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, yeah, and that's a full another discussion. I think there's big power yeah. five jobs. We could talk an hour here. about that. We, yeah, right. we could talk an hour but about that itself. It's more me just, I mean, on, on the play down on the goal line where Ohio State has a chance to score, and we've got five guys in the flat just ready to eat you alive. Like Manny Diaz knew everything that was coming. And, mm-hmm. and then the special teams play where, you know, my boy from the scoop, Tyler Elsden, scoops up the fumble uh, on the muff punt and yep. you get the ball at midfield down seven. And it's just, I mean, Penn it just, State, it's just Penn so State frustrating. Should be, Penn state should be up, Matt. I want to talk about that, that fumble that was called back because I thought you were referring to Curtis Jacobs and yes, Tyler oh, yeah. Elsden did have a turnover. Penn state should have had two. We'll discuss that in a second. Let's look at the comments here from all of you, because this is your post game show. We want to hear from you. We have Robert who joins us. Offense is not who we thought. Singleton and Allen are non-factors. Tight ends are not difference makers. Aller is not elite. And when he and, and when he is, he will leave for the NFL. Well, it, like I said, this is this is burn the house down type of stuff. It's bench Drew Aller. It's fire Mike Yersich, fire James Franklin. The only thing that I would say, if you're looking for a radical change for this Penn State team, is you go to the wide receiver room. And Marcus Haggins, new wide receivers coach, I don't put this on him because he had to inherit this situation. This is, look, I don't mean to bring Taylor Stubblefield back into this, but this is Taylor Stubblefield at the end of it, the end of Taylor Stubblefield's tenure and Marcus Haggins just starting. Jahan Dotson leaves, Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, like all those guys go into the NFL draft. And then Taylor Stubblefield isn't keeping up with the consistent recruiting. Now, Marcus Haggins is starting to, but those guys are still in high school. You can only do so much. And then you got guys late out of the transfer portal. Now, I do think it is on them in the fact that Liam Clifford hasn't developed the way that we thought he would. Uh, Malik McLean is not doing what we thought he would. Where's Caden Saunders in this? Dante Cephas, because those guys at the end, why were they not on the field? Giving him a chance. You had to change something. So that's where it is coaching. Because, okay, in practice, if Cephas and Saunders and McLean and Clifford aren't showing you enough to beat out the Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert-Smith, I get that through five days out of the week that they might be better than them at practice, and we don't see that. James Franklin has said, we play the guys who perform the best in practice. Okay, I understand. But then in the game, when you've gone through three quarters of absolutely nothing, and then you wait for the final 90 seconds when you have no timeouts trying to score, and that's when you decide to put in Dante Cephas and Caden Saunders and those guys make big plays. That is where coaching lets me down, and you should have made those decisions in the middle of the third quarter. You should have gave Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace one more drive, uh, Liam Clifford, to figure it out, one or two drives, and then if they didn't, 
you put them in late middle late third quarter instead of the final 90 seconds of the game when it's completely out of reach yeah and i definitely get that there's a lack of talent in that wide receiver room but it does come down to coaching because compared to ohio state and michigan it is bad and I, i would i would ask you that exactly kind of where i was going with that the last two years with michigan winning a big 10 championship who has been their elite receiver have they have a kill you receiver? Have they had a first round talent at receiver? Absolutely Michigan, not. Michigan hasn't. No, not. Since and they like just Mario win. Yeah. <laughs> they just win anyway. And it's like, you know, for as for as and, and listen, I'm a Gus Johnson guy. I loved him growing up, but for as I, I insufferable until, as I was one, until this season, <laughs> that's almost how I feel. Right, as insufferable as he was today, him and Joel Klatt kind of made a good point together at one point in the game when they said, I think it was Joel. Drew Aller does not fit this offense. I, I just I don't know if you can be a pocket passer in this offense. I mean, there were times where he could have ran for 20 yards, taking a first down. You know, we've seen Sean Clifford take off before, and I, I just felt like throughout this game, it was like square peg, round hole kind of thing. I, I mean, is this offense, like, do you need a mobile quarterback? You would think no, right, because Mike Yersich recruited this guy for his system. And, you know, as much as anybody wanted to believe that Sean Clifford was the problem or Penn State was a quarterback away, the constant negativity that this fan base directed towards Sean, it wasn't on Sean. It was never on Sean. And it's not on Drew. Mm-hmm. So so that's why, Robert, I would, I would push back a little bit about a little bit of the overreaction about Aller. And I know that, Zach, you were saying some of that, too. It was an unrealistic expectation that just because this kid has five stars behind his name, he can come save the program. The it, yeah, imagine I I put this out on on X on Twitter, and there's people that said, "Oh yeah, you know, you just if you had Ohio State's roster, yes, you would have beaten Ohio State." That wasn't my point. But Kyle McCord looked just as bad with his decision making as Drew Aller, and the cards were all on his side in the middle of the game but he had Marvin Harrison Jr. Imagine if Drew Aller had a Marvin Harrison type of wide receiver on the team that he could just turn to because that was the thing. DeAndre Lambert Smith is supposed to be that reliable player, and he's good. He's a solid receiver, but he's just not a one. He's a two. He's a three. We saw what difference he made when all the attention wasn't on him last season, when it was Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, and then Lambert Smith came in as your third option. But this year, coming in as a one against Ohio State, against Michigan, he can do it against West Virginia. That's fine. But we have to accept that this is his ceiling. Let me go back to the comments because, like I said, this is your post-game show. I want to include people's thoughts, and this helps us build our discussion, right? And we have Phillips saying Aller will hit the portal. He has no support. Aller will not hit the portal. <laughs> I can say that much. Uh, Aller, w- Matt, do you think just in short, do you think Aller would ever think about uh, hitting the transfer portal? I think he has everything made uh, at Penn State. He just doesn't have the receivers right now. And they can and they can go to the transfer portal next season to get a guy that is able because Dante and Dante Cephas will be back. I'm excited to see what Dante Cephas can do over the remainder of this season into next year when he actually knows the playbook because that's the only thing that's holding him back. It's not It's not talent, but Aller would never hit the portal. Uh, Robert again, Zach, sorry, Chip Kelly would scheme Aller to open receivers. Okay, so we're bringing Chip Kelly into this. Uh, hasn't really done anything since Oregon. Uh, failed in the NFL, and then at UCLA, they kind of, UCLA and Penn State are almost in the same boat, right? 
I, I feel like you're not getting anything different if you were to bring Chip Kelly and replace him with James Franklin, hypothetically. They're almost the exact same. We're going to take one more break and hear from another one of our sponsors, and that is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, the Sharks, the pros, all you got to do is pick more than or less than a two to six player slate of stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries will stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. That's right, gets injured for NFL games, college football top 25 games. If you have a player that exits in the first half and doesn't return for the second, that player is then rebooted. Prize Picks is the only, and I mean only, daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Now, what do you got to do? You got to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college, promo code locked on college for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, I don't know where I'm at with Mike Yersich, man. It's just like, I was so down on him in 2021. It's like they had Kirk, and, and they, but they had nothing. They had no O line. I know running backs like, were, oh my goodness, compared to and Singleton and Allen. With what he was able to do in the off season in the 2022, and and that being Sean's second year in the offense, I did a total 180 on Mike Yersich, hmm. and I'm just not sure if, like what. Are, are we back to where we were with the run game issues? Like, sure, we can run the ball against Northwestern, UMass, Illinois. Can we run the ball against Michigan? We surely didn't today. And if you think that's a good defense that we face today, wait until you see what happens on November 11th. Um, I, I want to say I have never, and, and this includes all-time low offenses, like 2004, 2021 wasn't a great offense. I think about 2014, maybe Franklin's first year there. I don't think I've ever watched a four-quarter Penn State game where they haven't picked up a third down. Like that seems uh, that seems fair. Yeah. I guess they got one at the end of the game, so I have to give them yep. that. But yep. at a point, they were they, they were zero right. They were zero for fifteen on the ones that counted. And like, man, we we came into this season thinking we were just going to run for 150 yards a game or more. And I, I well, just that was the like, thought, right? Yeah, that was the thought. And now the perception doesn't match reality. This is where we are is that Drew Aller looks, looks all he fit. He fits the part. He does. I, I still sit back and say that he is better than Kyle McCord. Okay. If, if you flip Marvin Harrison Jr. over to Penn state and right. you give Drew Aller that type of receiver and Kyle McCord has to deal with, that in his wife, and I know Mecca and Buka didn't play, but you have Carnell Tate, you have Brandon Ennis, you have uh Julian Fleming, who I know hasn't lived up to the standards and stuff. And people are also going to make mention of that. Marvin Harrison Jr. was in Pennsylvania, decided to go to Ohio State. Julian Fleming 
was in Pennsylvania, decided to go to Ohio State. Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, a, a different story here. And, and Ohio State's now recruiting guys like Jeremiah Smith, who's now officially the best prospect in all of the 2024 class. He's going to the Buckeyes, at least at this point in time. Hopefully I jinx it and he goes somewhere else. I'd like to see him go to the SEC because I don't want to face him in the Big Ten for three years, besides the point. But Penn State, yes, you can put that on the coaching staff because they failed in those recruiting battles. Ohio State next year, everyone's already projecting Ohio State to beat Penn State next year in 2024. And I, I have a hard time buying that because they do lose guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson. I don't know if Mayan, a hypothetical, like a Mayan Williams be back. JTT, JT, Tui Malowal would also be leaving. They, they would have a lot of turnover just like Penn State. And then it's a matter of, of rebuilding. And Penn State has been stacking those classes. So, no, I'm not ready to make a prediction about 2024. So much could change. But those big play difference makers are going to be gone. And I would hope that Penn State is able to find one of them uh, as well. Back back to the comments. Hey, no dog in the fight. Just came in to say, holy moly, does Penn State suck? Aller is the guy you've been hyping all this time? Uh, yes, and I will stand by it. I am not going to throw Drew Aller under the bus here. When you don't have a running game to balance it out, when your wide receivers aren't getting open, what are you supposed to do? The fact that Drew Aller didn't, the, for the amount of times he was hit, the amount of times he he was sacked more often in this game, the offensive line broke down late in the game. The running game left him after the first quarter, and the wide receivers didn't get open from minute one to to the final from the uh, last second that went off the clock until Dante Cephas and Caden Saunders came in. Those guys. So Drew Aller it can't he can't push the boat by himself. And he has NFL scouts will tell you we like Drew Aller as a number one overall pick. He has all the mechanics. He has <clears throat> he's a prototypical guy. But you also need, uh, what about, does Russell Wilson stink because uh, he doesn't have anything around him? What happened to him, right? You don't just progressively get worse <laughs> in that case. I think, I think that's a fair comparison here is that he's not getting the help that he needs to, to showcase what he can do. Yeah, when you follow this program on a day-to-day -day basis as closely as we do, coming into seasons and, you know, preseason magazine phenomena and mm -hmm. talking about expectations there are a certain number of things that you you think are true that you don't want to be right about mm -hmm. and and one of those things for me and i keep going back to it is kind of goes back to the comment that we just got right all all the aller hype for this that aller hype was detrimental like that james franklin always says the best thing you can have is a returning starting quarterback right mm -hmm. this this drew aller hype was manufactured by a sector of this fan base that didn't get it that didn't appreciate sean clifford for what he was and i didn't mm -hmm. want to be right about this because uh, i wanted i wanted drew to be better i wanted drew to take us to that next level the hard facts is he was never going to do that in year one. This is year one starting. I don't care that he played in 10 games last year. They talked a lot about that. So what? And imagine like, the progress and look at the progress that they probably made behind the scenes because of that. Right. When Penn State it fans were at the whiteout, right. Certain fans were at the whiteout last year, chanting for Drew, always on Twitter, begging for Drew, for Sean to be benched. 
coming into the season, thank God we finally moved on from Sean Clifford. Oh my God, we can finally go to the next level. I, I just had a bad feeling that that was going to come back to bite us. And it has. And now everybody's like, our, all this hype for what? That he's still a first year guy. Like, just like Kyle McCord, right? He's a first year starting quarterback. And James Franklin's right when it comes to the best thing you can have and the biggest relief for any coaching staff is to have a returning starter at quarterback. And, and like I said, we did not play as good. Did that Ohio State defense get better from last year to this year? Much yeah, better. they sure Much did. Did the Penn State offense get better? No, they did not. And they that's the worse. difference. Right now, right that's now the they're worse. Which is so One side got better. One side did not. Right. And then they needed to... Obviously, we knew under Jim Knowles, Ohio State was going to get better defensively. And they, they're they right up there, man. Like, if McCord can be better and be more effective getting the ball to Harrison, and they have a real shot at Michigan. Uh, gun to my head right now, I would say no. They can't beat Michigan. I imagine if you're a true Ohio State fan who knows ball and – you're not one of these delusional people that are coming after us thinking that Kyle McCord is a Heisman candidate. Yep. You know, I, I would think your thought coming away from this is you're psyched about the defense mm -hmm. and you're confused about the offense because you're knowing that you can't just beat Michigan with Marvin Harrison. Yep. You got to run the ball. You got to be able to move the ball with Kyle McCord. You got to be better up front. Our D line ate them alive today. I mean, that Zane Durant play, he comes across with just the clothesline. Like, Mayan Williams and Trainum, they got they were just killed back there. And, yeah, I, I just feel like if, if you're an Ohio State fan going forward, you, you probably are thinking, defensively, we are set. Offensively, eh, we couldn't really put the game away. Yeah. For for Ohio State's perspective, I think this is what Penn State again good, not elite. Being playing little brother to Ohio State, that that's the yeah. takeaway here because yeah. I had the impression that Penn State was going to look more like this Ohio State team, and then you just have to do the comparisons. You really just have to look at it and say, okay, what does Ohio State have that Penn State doesn't have? Well, they got five star wide receivers everywhere. Penn State doesn't have that. They they don't have that. They have guys who are who are quality who are good. They can beat West Virginia. They can beat Iowa. And Iowa's a good defense. But the ceiling of the good, great, elite. I yeah. would even argue that these past two Penn State teams are great because look what they did to Utah in the Rose Bowl. Right. I know they lost Cam Rising, but there was a different level. And that's where Penn State is stuck. Penn State is stuck as this 10-2 and two will beat you up in the Fiesta Bowl because look what they've done to Washington, right? right? Look what they've yeah. done to Memphis. Penn State is essentially in its own class. And it's lonely here because they're not good enough to because Georgia would run them out of the building. Michigan, I would hope that a Beaver Stadium crowd for big noon kickoff, can't wait again, thank you, Fox, will will give a little bit of an advantage because Penn State almost upset that playoff team, that Wolverines team that went to the playoffs for the first time. When you think about that, just a couple botched field goals and stupid fake, <laughs> stupid fake plays. Uh, led them to lose that game against Michigan. But Penn State, I think, is almost all alone in the case. They're too good for everybody else. And then they're not good enough to compete with Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. And I I'd like to see them play Florida State. I feel like that's another good measuring stick, but I, I can't take them against the Seminoles after today.
I feel like the Seminoles uh, are, are too much of a complete team. So that's just it. Not good enough to compete with those four schools that I named, but they would be, I think they would beat up on Clemson. I think they would beat Clemson, but that's, that's besides yeah. the point. And you might get Clemson, honestly, because both schools are probably going to finish with two losses or Clemson might be nine and three. And you could get that, uh, whatever, whatever bowl game, the Peach Bowl, or I, I don't know. Some people are uh, whatever suggestions. I'm not doing bowl projections here, but you get my point. Yeah, let me uh, let me say two things before we get out of here. The first thing is that this Penn State Ohio State thing, you say the big brother little brother thing. At this point, literally, what it feels like under James Franklin is it feels like you started out elementary school with a bully. He dominated. He dominated you. you. You couldn't get the upper leg. You went to the gym. You got stronger. You got bigger. You got faster. In 2016, you took a cheap shot, got underneath him, finally, right? Then he came back stronger, and he just keep beating you down, beating you down. And now it just feels like you're being bullied, and, and, and nobody's there to save you, right? That's what it feels like. The second thing is that Drew Aller went into this afternoon with the entire – hopes and dreams of the state of Pennsylvania and the whole Penn State fan base on his back. No 19-year-old will ever overcome that amount of pressure. You saw it in the post-game press conference. He had to fight back tears. He said he sucked. I have never, I have never seen someone in such shambles post-game. At the end of the day. That, right. The amount of pressure that we put on this kid, and we're guilty of it, the amount of pressure that we put on this kid to be better than Sean Clifford, to save the program, to get us into the 14 playoff, killed him. And he went out today. He was not himself because of it. So the one plea I would make to Penn State fans is you never know what you got till it's gone. Don't always look at the new shiny toy and say, oh, wow, I'm trading in what I have now. It takes time. It takes development. These are kids. And we're not there yet. Yet, will we ever be? That's how I feel right now. Matt, I think that's a good thing to send it off with. Now, I do want to encourage people to stick with us, stick here on the show, because Dylan Callaghan Crowley from Penn State Rivals is going to be joining me in just a second. We're going to continue with the comments. This post-game show is going until 6, but we're at a halftime marker here. I think there were, that was almost all the bad energy from this game. And a different look at it, too, because it wasn't so much about fire Mike Yersich, fire this, but a realistic look at, being honest, Drew Aller is a first-year starter. He's a true sophomore. You can only – I played a little bit of mental gymnastics with how prepared he would be. He was returning to Ohio. All of his family and friends were there. They were, The amount of ticket requests that it's he so must have had. And yeah. you can't tell me that when he was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, right, playing football growing up, that I want to go play at Ohio State because little did he know that Penn State and Mike Yersich would come into his life and recruit him the way they did and he'd find his home in Happy Valley. He dreamed of being a Buckeye. They don't recruit him. They offer him last second to save face, and all said and done, and you're carrying, so not only that of the state of Pennsylvania's expectations, as you mentioned, but his own personal ones of, I got to prove Ohio, I got to prove the entire state of Ohio that they were wrong, and I, Sean Clifford couldn't do it. I, from the state of Ohio, came over to Penn State, couldn't beat Ohio State. Christian Hackenberg couldn't do it. Only Trace McSorley did it once. Uh, and here we are uh, in that boat again. But I, I, the postgame show is going to continue. Matt, I do want to give you my best. I appreciate you. 30 minutes unfiltered. And I think we got uh, a lot of bad blood or just a lot of, <laughs> a lot of raw emotion and still keep maintaining that nuance and how we should approach this, this result. They're 10 and 2. 
They're they're second fiddle to Michigan and Ohio State. And I thought this was the year, but it's not. I appreciate your perspective too, of course. Yeah, and we can get as angry as we want, and we, we've been talking about it emotionally. There's nobody angrier than that team right now. And and the effort well, that you're going to get. That's the thing. I right. can sleep at night. <laughs> they can't. Yeah, the effort that you're going to get in the Michigan game, I, I guarantee you, you've hit rock bottom. You, you can't get worse offensively this year, yeah. right? Uh, so it, it's time to get Indiana and Maryland under our belt. It's it's time to go beat uh, bad teams to a pulp like we do. And it's like time to go doing. into Michigan with your season on the line and just pray that you fixed it in three weeks of football because the bye week um, didn't fix it. You masked it and fixed it. So. Matt, I appreciate you. I really do. Can't wait to have you on another show. Thanks for doing this with me live on the Penn State Ohio State postgame show. Thanks, Zach. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, man. Thanks for checking out this live postgame recap of Penn State versus Ohio State. If you want to watch or listen to the other part of the show, I will have it linked in the description. For more Penn State football and Nittany Lions content, make sure, make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Nittany Lions YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts.